Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. I want to bring a message today that, well, well, actually, I pulled this out of my, my, my file, my, my, my pile, actually. Um, I don't know, maybe two months ago, I, I put together a message entitled, What Happens When You Die? And I, I was going to give it some time. And uh, there's actually, uh, like, there, there are 500 sermons all done that I haven't preached yet, so I don't need to do anything for 10 years. You understand that, right? <laughs> I'm already caught up. The problem is the stack just keeps getting bigger, all right? And uh, we, we uh, took that message that we prepared a couple months ago and, and kind of tweaked it for today. So I'm going to share with you about what happens when you die. But to begin, I want to go to the book of Genesis, the very first chapter, where God said, let us make man in our image and according to our likeness. So you and I are created in the image, in the likeness of God. In the New Testament, in John chapter 4, God, uh, Jesus said about God, he said, God is a spirit. God's a spirit. And that they worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So when God is talking here about your being in his image, in his likeness, one of the things about you is you are like God. You are a spirit. Now, you're not God. You're never going to be God. But you're the same class or type of being that God is. In Hebrews 1, it mentions that angels are spirits. Right? Now, you, you know this. Angels don't retire when they're 300,000 years old. Right? Because they're a spirit. And because they're a spirit... They'll never, they will literally never die. So there is a part of you that is never going to die. Right? In Genesis chapter 2, in verse 15, it says that he, God, breathed into his nostrils the breath, the spirit of life, and he became a living soul. Right? So God literally breathed spirit into man. And when he did, he became immortal. Not that? Now, to be immortal means you have a beginning, but you will never have an ending. Right? God, on the other hand, is eternal. God never had a beginning and will never have an ending. But you and I, we're immortal in the fact that once God breathed spirit into the man, he became a living or an immortal soul. Now, you look in the Old Testament and there's clues about what happened when a person dies. For example, Jacob, he's with his family. He's talking about his grandparents, his parents, his wife, who he has buried. And it says that he takes his feet up into his, bread, his bed. He breathes his last right, and is gathered to his people and is gathered to his people. In other words, when he breathed his last, that wasn't the end. He was gathered to his people. In Psalms 1, it says that the wicked or the ungodly will not stand with the righteous in the judgment. Right? There's going to be something after, after this life. There's a judgment day. David said in Psalms, 
He said, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord for forever, right? Forever. So, so as we go through the Old Testament, there are pictures. They're showing us, hey, death is not the end. It is not the end. But the Bible is progressive revelation, which means the farther you get in the Bible, the more you're going to find out truth about a subject. So, for example, in Job, the 32nd chapter, it says, but there's a spirit in man. And that's the only place you could find it, anything about the spirit of a man in the Old Testament. But there is a spirit in man. So in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 23, it says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. He's going to talk about your whole being. May your whole spirit soul and body be preserved blameless to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the order is important. Spirit, that's the most important part. That's the person that you are. That's the real you is a spirit. Then you have a soul or a mind. Now, I think it's interesting that psychology does not even know that you are a spirit. They think everything is about your mind, right? But the Bible tells us it's only the word of God. Hebrews chapter 4 in verse 12, says that the word of God divides the soul and the spirit. Without the word of God, you will not know. In fact, Peter called your spirit the hidden man of the heart. The hidden man. See, it's hidden from the world. But the word of God will let us know and teach us how to live out of our spirit. And with your spirit, you contact the spiritual realm. But you're also a soul. We could say in one word, my, your mind. And with your soul, you contact the intellectual realm and you live inside of a body. And with your body, you contact the physical realm. Now, if Jesus tarries, your body will die one day. It's going to happen. Right? But the real you that lives on the inside is not going to die. Right? So we should think of ourselves that way. We should think, I am a spirit. I have a mind. I live inside of a body. Right? Now, I understand that SpaceX is, is planning to put them, some uh, civilians on the moon uh, within, well, about 18 months. They said they'll have civilians. You can go up to the moon. You can pay and go to the moon. Now, if you go, listen, you need a spacesuit. Without one, you'll die. Now, to stay on Earth, you need an Earth suit. Right? It's a body. The Bible says in James chapter two, it says, as the body without the spirit is dead. So when your spirit leaves your body, what we call that, that is what death is. Now, at least anybody think differently after this message, death is an enemy. First Corinthians 15 says the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Death is not a friend, right? It's not a friend. It's a result of the fall. And it is, it, it is an enemy that every one of us, if, if Jesus tarries, is going, to is going to face. But in the New Testament, Jesus tears back the veil. In fact, I would say 90, in fact, there's no question, 90% of everything we know about eternal judgment comes from Jesus. Right? Everything we know about hell it comes from Jesus, 90%. Luke chapter 16, verse 19. Jesus said, there was a certain rich man 
who was clothed in purple and fine linen, fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed from the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was the beggar died and was carried by angels to Abraham's bosom or Abraham's side. So when Lazarus died, they took his body and they put it in a pulper's tomb. Men, women, what we take care of the body. But the real person that lives on the inside stepped out and angels carried him. Now it mentions here Abraham's bosom or Abraham's side. So he has a place next to Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. Now, I'm sure he had prepared a sepulcher. They, they would have had a, a great service or ceremony. But the Bible says that being in torment in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and he saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom or at his side. And he cried out and he said, Father Abraham, send Lazarus that he'd put the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in torment in these flames. So the rich man died and he was buried. But the real rich man was in Hades. And he lifted up his eyes and he saw Lazarus and he recognized Lazarus. People wonder, am I going to recognize people in heaven? Absolutely. The Bible says you're going to be gathered to your people. See, your, your relatives that have gone on before, they're going to be there waiting for you. Your friends, they're going to be there waiting for you. Right. But notice also he lift up his eyes. He sees Lazarus. He says, have Lazarus just put the tip of his finger in some water and cool my tongue because I'm in torment in these flames. But his body's in the grave and Lazarus's body is in the grave. But they've got eyes and they've got fingers and they've got tongues. You say, how can that be? First Corinthians 15 says that there's a natural body and there is a spiritual body. Right? There is a spiritual body. So you not only have a natural body, but your spirit has a body. Now, again, Jesus said God's a spirit, right? Does God have a body? You can vote. You want to <laughs> yep. Moses said, God, I want to see your glory. And God put him in a cave and put his hand over the cave and then passed by. And the Bible says God allowed Moses to see his back. So does God have a body? Absolutely. Is it a physical body? No, it's a spiritual body. But you also not just have a physical body, you have a spiritual body. And notice if he lifted up his eyes, how I many know if you've got eyes and you've got a tongue and you have a head, you have a mouth. If you've got a finger, it's attached to a hand that's on an arm that's attached to your body, right? Your, your spiritual body is very much like your physical body, right? And able to perceive pain, able to perceive pain. He says, I'm in torment in this flame. Right? So when a person dies, it doesn't mean the person is any less of a person. We tend to think that, right? And uh, I just want to say something. We mentioned to live on this earth, you need to have an earth suit, right? The Bible says in Hebrews, it's appointed for a man once to die, 
and after that judgment. Nobody sticks around to haunt a house. Right? There are no such thing as people haunting, dead people haunting houses. There might be a demon spirit or two around, but it's not, no dead, it's not a dead person. It's appointed for a man to die once, and after that, judgment. And to die once, you don't come back as a cow, a dog, or a cat. Right? It's appointed for a man to die once, and after that, the judgment. Now, our rich man is in a place, the Bible called Hades. Hades is not hell, but it's a lot like it. It's really, it's a waiting room to go to hell. Now, if a person is arrested by the police, he's taken to the county jail. And he waits for, to go before the judge. And once he's before the judge and he's sentenced, he goes to the penitentiary. The penitentiary is like the jail, but it's not the jail. There's a judgment in between. Right? Hades is like the county jail. Right? These people have not stood before the... How many of judgment day has not taken place yet? Revelation 20, it's coming. Right? And then there is a place of eternal separation and torment called hell. Now, Jesus made this statement. He said, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, or the, excuse me, three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish. So the son of man will be three days, three nights in the heart of the earth. So these two places, one, Abraham's bosom, or you have a place next to Abraham. It's also called paradise in the Bible and captivity. Right? Now, it's called captivity because these people that are there, the righteous saints, they can't go to heaven yet because their sins haven't been paid for. Right? God's got them on layaway. Seriously, They're, they were on layaway. Now, some of you don't know what layaway is, so I'll explain it to you. All right? When I was five years old, right? now, you, some of you may not remember this, but some of you will. When you went to church, you always had to have a suit on. We are delivered. Praise the Lord. All right? But you had to have a suit on. So I'm like five years old. Right? And we went to Robert Hall. Anybody remember Robert Hall down on 28th Street? All right? Now, this was before credit cards. All right? So we didn't have enough money to pay for the suit. And I'm not sure. I think it was like $15, something like that. So we put $5 down, and they kept the suit until we had the last 10. And when we had the last 10, we went to Robert Hall, gave him the 10, and they gave us the suit. Right? So people in the Old Testament, their sins hadn't been paid for. So God had them in a place called paradise, Abraham's bosom, or a place next to Abraham, and captivity. Now, the Bible talks about this both in Romans 10 and in Ephesians 4. It says, when he, Jesus, ascended on high, he led captivity captive. Some of your translations say that he had a train of captives. All the Old Testament saints, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Noah, David, Isaiah, Jeremiah, all the Old Testament saints, they were down here. They had a place near Abraham, and they were waiting for the Messiah to come. 
And when Jesus came and paid the price for their redemption, he led a train of captives. Everybody that was there, he took him to heaven. Psalms 24, lift up your heads, O ye gates, be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory will come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Yeah, he just whipped the devil, took the keys of death and of Hades. Yeah, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and the King of glory will come in. It's literally a picture of when Jesus arose from the dead and went up into heaven. So that side is empty because to be absent from the body today is to be present with the Lord. Absolutely. You see, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 says, he that knew no sin, that's Jesus, he became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. So literally, for a believer to die today, you don't need to go someplace and wait. You don't need to wait, go someplace and become purified so that you can go into God's presence. Because right now, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. And with the exact same righteousness that you and I have right now, we are going to hang around with God for all of eternity. Hallelujah. That is great news. That is great news for you and for me. To be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord. Now, the Apostle Paul talks about an experience that he had in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He said, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, or whether out of the body I do not know, such a one was caught up to the third Heaven. Again, uh, we, have to th- we, we can't think like Dutch people or like Michiganders. Okay. We have to think like Jewish people, right? They think of three heavens. The atmosphere is number one. What we would call outer space is number two. Remember, the Bible says, the heavens declare the glory of God. You know, you can step outside at night and look up into that sky and see the Milky Way and go, wow, God is awesome. But the third heaven is a place where God lives. And he said, I went to the third heaven. He said, and how he was caught up to paradise, heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful to somebody to even speak. But then again, he said in the third verse, I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. No, here's my question. If you go to Costco, leave your body at home, will you miss it? And the answer is no. Paul said, I went to heaven and I don't know if I took my body or not. Because your spirit has eyes and ears and a mouth and hands. Now, what leads to death? An accident. Something can be very, very, very painful. But the actual death is just simply the real you stepping out of that body. And the moment you do, you're dead. That body is dead. You're not dead, but that body is dead. Dwight L. Moody, the, the great 19th century evangelist, as he was getting old, he said to a friend, he said, someday you will read in the papers that 
Dwight L. Moody of Northfield is dead. He said, don't you believe a word of it. At that moment, I shall be more alive than I am now. I should have gone higher, that is all. Out of this old clay tenement into a house that is immortal, a body that sin cannot touch, that sin cannot taint, a body fashioned into his glorious body. He was saying, when, when, when my body dies, I'm not going to be any less me. I'm not going to be any less alive. In fact, I, I've read a number of accounts where people, their body dies and they kind of like float up and they're looking down and go, oh, there I was. Just looking down at their body. Right? Because when your body dies, the real you on the inside is going to step out. First Thessalonians chapter four. Paul said, but I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep or those who have died. Least you sorrow like others who have no hope. He said, I don't want you to be ignorant about what happens when a Christian dies. Because if you know what happens, he says, you will not sorrow like other people do. Now, there's sorrow. There's sorrow because, number one, death is an enemy. Number two, we won't see them for a while. But we need to understand, we are going to see them again, right? And by the way, they've been gathered to their people. They're, they're, they're in heaven. They're enjoying. They're in his presence. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and we do, even so God will bring with him those who sleep or who have died in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means proceed or go ahead of those who are asleep or who have died. Those who remain unto the coming of the Lord. Every single New Testament author, everyone, even if they just wrote one chapter, they talk about Jesus coming again. Right? You realize he's coming back. And Paul is addressing when Jesus returns. And he says, those that have died will not go ahead in full redemption of those that are still alive. Some believers are going to be alive when Jesus comes back. And when he comes back for them, we call that the rapture. Right? For this I say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord will no means go ahead of those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Now look at me. To be absent from the body is to be. So they're coming with the Lord. Right? But when Jesus redeemed you, he redeemed you spirit, soul, and body. So when it's talking here about what's going to happen, it's saying that their bodies are going to be raised up. That's what it's saying. Now, how is God going to do that? I don't have a clue. I do not have a clue. Maybe he cloned you. I don't know. Maybe he's guarded a couple of your cells. He's going to clone you. I know this, that it doesn't matter if you were eaten by a shark or burned in a building. When he comes back, the dead in Christ will rise first. Right? That body that, that you and I have today is mortal, but we're going to have one that's immortal. We're going to have one that sin cannot taint. Right? We're going to have a body the Bible says exactly like the body that Jesus has. Right? The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, voice of the archangel, the trump of God, the dead in Christ will rise first. And then 
We who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, the dead will rise. Those that are alive will be caught up together with the Lord. We're going to go to be with the Lord for ever. Now, the first thing that happens, listen, as you go to heaven, and theologians call this the marriage supper of the Lamb, there is a party, literally a party, for seven years. Now, you've maybe thought you knew somebody who knew how to party, but God knows how to party. And by the way, he's been planning this for at least 6,000 years. So this is going to be the party of parties, all right? Now, after the party, right, then we come back right, with the Lord. Zechariah 14, 5, thus the Lord my God will come and all the saints with you. He's not coming for us. He's coming with us. Or we're really, we're coming with him. All right. This is at the end. Some people call it the end of the world. It's not the end of the world. It's just the end of human government. That's all it is. Because Jesus is setting up his own government. And the government will be upon his shoulders. And his name will be called Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Right? So then Jesus comes back at the end of that seven years with the saints. Right? Now, I, I want to read a little bit here about what happens at that time. Right? Revelation 20, verse 4. Then I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. And I saw the souls of those who'd been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and the word of God who had not worshiped the beast or his image, had not received the mark on their forehead or on their hand, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. I want you to say thousand years. But the rest of the dead didn't live again until the thousand years were finished. Say thousand years. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection over such the second death has no power, and they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him for a thousand years. Say a thousand years. And when the thousand years have expired, say a thousand years. You're getting the picture? Six times, seven verses, it's a thousand years. You rule and you reign with Christ. You say, where is it going to be? Right here. Right here on this earth. At the end of the thousand years, you can look this up. Peter said that God is going to get destroy the earth as we know it. It says that the atmosphere will explode in fervent heat and that every element will melt. Right? Literally, God's going to do a redo. Right? He's going to do a redo. And this is what John said, Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven atmosphere, the first heaven, a new atmosphere and a new earth. How many realize this one's cursed because of sin? But there's going to be a new one. I think this one's awesome. Can you imagine the new one? A new heaven, new atmosphere, a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, 
the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He'll dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself will be their God and he will wipe away every tear from their eye and there will be no more death nor sorrow nor crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, right for these words are true and faithful. There is going to be a brand new heaven atmosphere, a brand new earth. It's amazing to me how many people think about heaven, and they think they're going to sit on a cloud, wear a sheet, play a harp, eat grapes, while naked baby angels float around with bow and arrows. Right? That is so far from it. That is so far from the truth. It is literally in the beginning. God is in a beautiful garden with Adam and Eve. There's no devil. There's no sin. There's no sickness. There's no death, and there's no disease. And then you get to Revelation 21, and we get back to the exact same place. God is with his people, and there is no more death, no more dying, no more sorrow, no more pain. That's where we're headed. That's where we're headed. Now, when someone dies, we grieve. We grieve because death is an enemy. We won't see him for a while, but we will see him again. And just like Jacob... He took his feet and he got him back in his bed and he breathed his last and he was gathered to his people. If Jesus tarries, someday my body's going to wear out. My body will die, but the real me, the real me will step out. If they say I'm dead, don't you believe it? Because I'm more alive than I've ever been. And my people, my people are going to be the pastor. Ken's going to be one of my people. We get to heaven. He's going to welcome me. He's going to welcome us when we get there. He's our people. He is our people. But I'd like you to bow your heads for just a moment, if you would. You know, we live in a culture that tells us that good people go to heaven. But the Bible tells us something different. It says that forgiven people go to heaven. In fact, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. What Jesus said is that all of my efforts to be right with God will not work. All of your efforts to be right with God will not work. There's just one way to heaven, and that's God's way. And that is through Jesus. That's why Jesus said, you must be born again. Now, what that means is this. It means that you and I, we need to give Jesus all of our heart and all of our life. And we need to live for him. So often we think, well, I know about God. We all do. You celebrate Christmas, you celebrate Easter. But salvation is not about your head. Salvation is about your heart. And is, the question is, have you given Jesus all of your heart and all of your life? He's not a thief to steal it, a manipulator to trick you into giving it. And, and the fact is this, he will not force you. He will not force you to receive him as your king 
as your Lord. But today is the day of salvation. And Jesus said, you must be born again. And he is the only way. So if, if, if everybody, you've got your head bowed, if you can, I want you to take hands with somebody that's near you. If you're comfortable doing that, take their hand. And if you're away from God today, you're not right with God, we're going to pray a prayer. I want you to listen. This is Romans 10. It says, whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, we are going to call on his name the way the Bible tells us to. And when we say amen, if you will pray this prayer from your heart. When we say amen, you are going to be right with God. You're going to be forgiven. You're going to be a part of his family. So I'm going to ask everybody, make these words your own. Pray this out loud. Say, oh God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again. Victorious over death, sin, and the devil. And I give him all of my heart and all of my life. Jesus is my king. And I'm going to live for him. I thank you. You've heard my prayer. My past is gone. And I'm a part of your kingdom. Today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope what you heard today has been encouraging and given you new insight into the Word of God. We upload weekly, so join us again next time. Be blessed and enjoy your week.